Hello and welcome to Sleeping Giants, the East Anglian Daily Times and Ipswich Stars sports podcast. After the disappointment of Rotherham, a win at Sheffield Wednesday was exactly what was needed for Mick McCarthy's Ipswich Town. They went into the international break off the back of a win and with confidence high ahead of a televised game against Nottingham Forest a week on Saturday. To look back at the 2-1 win in the Steel City is our chief football writer Stuart Watson. Stuart, they left it late but the Blues really needed that win, didn't they? Yeah, very much so. Um, it's all been a bit doom and gloom as we've been discussing. Um, I was not particularly looking forward to filling another two weeks of newspapers with, with more of the same. Um, the mood was pretty flat off going in after the last international break, I should say. So, uh, yes, m- much needed uh, victory up at, up at Sheffield. And the, the performance by all accounts sounded quite good as well there was a very similar line up to the Rotherham game Mick McCarthy chose quite an uh, attacking team was that something that the away fans appreciated because obviously when you go away the tendency with a lot of people is to maybe try and shut up and, and defend more than attack so for McCarthy of all people to go and try and uh, play a very attacking team must have been quite refreshing for the fans yeah, well, if you recall our chat, we sat here with uh, with yourself and Chris before the game, and it and it kind of panned out exactly how we um, we were talking about it. Really, I think uh, Ipswich were pretty long odds. Um, you looked at the respective form of the two teams. Sheffield Wednesday had had, had just started to pick up form. Ipswich, as we know, were uh, stuck in a little bit of a rut going into it. But I think um, you know that's where people beat the bookies. Is where you kind of analyse things a little bit deeper and, and those that will have seen the the uh, the game against Rotherham will have sort of extrapolated a few encouraging signs from that the return of, of Dave McGoldrick and uh, the fact that they, they got back on the goal trail and, and the, the two poor goals that they conceded were very much out of character so I think we, we drew a few positives out of that game we knew from the way Mick McCarthy was talking that he might go a bit bolder, might go for four four two, and uh, that's exactly what happened. Pretty much the same team that, that lined up against Rotherham, as you as you say. Sheffield Wednesday, although they've been winning games, they've not really kicked on in the way we people expected them to this year. I know they were up in sort of eighth before the game, but their wins were coming by one goal. They weren't quite as dynamic as they had been last year. And um, speaking to Wednesday fans, there was a sense of frustration that it's all very possession-based. Um, weren't doing quite as much with it when they got to the final third. And that suited Ipswich just fine. They had two banks of four back to being their organised best. And uh, the longer the game went on, the longer the fans got frustrated. And um, I think I turned to a couple of my colleagues with about 10 minutes to go and said, there's something in this for Ipswich here. And um, it wasn't a smash and grab. I know the goal came in the 87th minute, but I thought they were decent value for it. Do you think that it was just a slightly new look team with the return of McGoldrick, etc. Need a little bit of time to gel? Have they not quite got it right against Rotherham, but when it came to Sheffield Wednesday, they basically had a, a dry run at it and when it came to playing a better team, they were able to really stick everything together and come out with a win. Um, I wasn't at the Rotherham game, so I have to hold my hands up to that one, but from speaking to Chris and, and other people were there, it was a, a reasonable performance. And I, th- I think it sounds a silly thing to say, but if you take the two goals they conceded, which were both defensive mistakes um, by uh, what is normally a fairly consistently good part of, of, of the team that you know defending, 
if you take those two away, and it's a big if, of course, I think it would have been seen as an encouraging performance, a few goals and, and um, a bit of a turning point. So um, I, I really like the balance of, of this team. That's been the major criticism that's that's been levelled at, at Mick McCarthy. Uh, not enough balance in the team, too many round pegs in square holes, etc., etc. I do wonder whether Mick has got this deep-seated anti-football philosophy that some people have sort of labelled with him of late. Um, I don't think that's necessarily part of his psyche. Yes, he's very pragmatic. Yes, he can be safety first, every point's a prisoner, etc. But if you look back through his career, he's generally been a, a 4-4-2 manager. He's always had flying wingers. They've been a, a big feature of his side going back to his Wolf days with, with Michael Kitely and, and Matt Jarvis on the wings. And I think he's tried to replicate that formula during his four years at Ipswich. And unfortunately, a lot of the winger signings he's made have, have been pretty hit and miss. Um, but we saw it with Ryan Fraser last year, you know, what an exciting player he was. And I think now it, the thing that Ipswich have lacked the most has, has been some genuine pace and, and width. And in Grant Ward and Tom Lawrence, they look like they finally got that now. Freddie Sears up front obviously brings a bit of pace and, and what that did away from home was give them a real threat on the counter-attack. Um, as I say, you've got a ball-playing centre-back in, in Adam Webster who continues to impress and there was more balance in, in central midfield with, with Teddy Bishop partnering Cole Scoos instead of that, that uh, controversial Scoos-Douglas partnership. So a lot more balance to the team and uh, I think that's the sort of lineup that, that fans have been calling out for for a long time. Obviously another thing that the fans have really been wanting for, for quite a while is goals and excitement. And now we look back and in the last two games, Ipswich have scored four goals. So it must be nice for the fans to see that, but not just the fans, for the players as well to know that now they have started scoring goals, they can go and they can replicate that. It wasn't just a, a one-off against uh, the, 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 in the Rotherham game. Uh, it must give them a great boost to see that they're back scoring goals again. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take more than just this win at Sheffield Wednesday to, to convince the supporters that it's a turning point. Um, as I said in our previous chats, I think Mick was wrong to say that the reaction after the Rotherham game was an excessive reaction to to one match uh, that was the boiling point after a year of pretty turgid football um, so it was always building up to that and, and one victory doesn't wipe away 12 months of um, of regression really um, however as we keep saying there's always been one huge major caveat that's kind of gone along with that and that's been the injuries and and of course the sale of Murphy as well so Mick deserves some extra time to uh, to work with a fully fit squad it's, and, and with some creative players which he's been shorn of for a long time now with McGoldrick back with Williams back with Bishop getting game time you know let, let's see how progress but uh, let's see how things progress over the next few weeks but I think there's they're, they're, the ones that have really started to doubt Mick are going to take some uh, some further convincing yet I think How long do you think it will be before those sort of very um, ardent and, and, and vocal doubters of Mick McCarthy will start to forget the last 12 months. What does he need to do and how long will it take him to do that before that becomes a, a distant memory? Good question. I think these next two home games are, are pretty crucial. Doing it at Portman Road is, is always key because that's where you've got the majority of, of your fans there. Obviously only a certain number will have travelled up to Sheffield Wednesday so 
Um, those that only go to the home games will, will want to see it with their own eyes. Uh, Nottingham Forest, as you mentioned, uh, is on TV, so that's a real chance for, for them to kind of uh, convince everybody to, to a wider audience, shall we say, that they can do it. And QPR after that, you know, they're both very winnable home games. Um, I think in terms of Mick winning people over, he's got to keep selecting the teams and, and the balanced lineups that, that I've mentioned. Um, and it's not just the team selections that he makes, it's also the instructions that he gives to those players. It's all very well picking a team that's got plenty of attacking talent in it, but I think also fans need to see evidence of the shackles being removed from those players. You don't want to see Grant Ward just covering the fullback and, and working hard. We want to see him go back to that sort of um, carefree abandon when he, when he scored a hat-trick in, in the first game. You, you want Tom Lawrence to be given the freedom to to do what he did up at Sheffield Wednesday and, and you know what a fabulous goal he scored up there. Um, so <laughs> how long will it take to sort of win people back on side? I do, you know, winning football will go a long way to doing that. Um, you know, if they can get through to Christmas in, in good health and Marcus Evans can uh, come up with uh, a striker signing in, in January as we've been promised, then... Um, you know, perhaps people will get back on side, but uh, we've got a few weeks to go yet. We've already mentioned Mick playing four four two in the last couple of games. I think he said that that's his preferred formation. That's what he's always wanted to be able to play. So are we, injuries permitting, likely to see that now in the long run? I hope so, yeah. I think I think it suits it suits the personnel. Um I think it will be judged on on a on a game by game basis. I think um, there will be times, undoubtedly, that where Mick will match up the opposition um, because you know that, that's something that he will continue to do. So uh, his argument is, if you're playing against someone that plays four five one or a variation of it four two three one, in modern football you cannot risk the midfield being completely overrun now. Teddy Bishop and Cole Scoos as a, as a midfield two. Does Teddy Bishop do enough of the the dirty work? Would that two get completely overrun by a, a three-man midfield? Probably yes in certain games. So it would be naive to think that he's going to be able to play that sort of lineup in every game. Sheffield Wednesday played 4-4-2, so, so it worked up there. Um, I mentioned Teddy Bishop there. I, I think he is one player that really needs to up his game in the coming weeks. He's a player that, you know, homegrown player that fans are desperate to see play. And I don't think he's done enough in the last two games to uh, to make himself undroppable going forwards. Um, Johnny Williams obviously fit again now. I think Johnny did more in the final 20 minutes at Hillsborough than, than Teddy probably did in the first 70. So Mick's not going to play McGoldrick, Williams and Bishop all together in the same team. I just I just think that that would probably be a little bit too gung-ho. So um, the, in answer to your question, I think there'll be different formations for, for different games. But um, it's nice to see 4-4-2 come back uh, when necessary because I think it, it suits the personnel. In terms of those formations, you've obviously seen them play 4-4-2 recently and in previous seasons and the variety of different formations that Mick's played recently as well, 4-5-1 or 4-2-3, however sort of you term it. How different does the team look? What's the, the, the change in dynamic when they play that 
442 system that possibly suits them better compared to when they're playing these other formations that mix sort of almost forced into by what the other team are doing or by who he's got available to him yeah I mean we talk a lot about formations and, and that's a big part of football I do think sometimes maybe and I'm guilty of this as well that you put too much emphasis on on uh, formations and, and lineups and that sort of thing I think ultimately it comes down to more to personnel and um, having players that can do different roles in the team um, Mick, as you say, has tried every formation going. He gets kind of labelled this tactical dinosaur who's not part of the modern game. He, he hasn't just stuck by one formation throughout. He has tried different things. Sometimes it's been need-must because of the players that have been available to him. But um, I tend to focus more on, on the types of players that he's got available. So David McGoldrick, someone that will, regardless of what formation you put him in, if you put him up front in a 4-4-2, he's going to drop deep and join the midfield a lot. And he's someone that can narrow the gap between midfield and striker and, and provide a bit more link-up play. Um, Adam Webster is a different type of centre-back, as, as we've discussed. So it's it's the personnel as, as much as the, the formation that they're lining up in, I think. And we've obviously got no league game this week because of the international break. A few of the Ipswich players away with their international team, so fingers crossed that they all come back uninjured. But what does Ipswich need to do on the other side of the international break? We've mentioned that they've got two home games straight off the, the back of that. In fact, I think four, uh, three of their next four games are all at home, so that's a great opportunity for them to sort of really push on. But in sort of that context, what do you think they need to get out of them to really build on the last few positive performances? I think, I still think that performances are just as important as as results at the moment. Mick will say that it's, it's wins ultimately that will convince the doubters and, and win people back. Yes, I think that's right to a certain extent, but I think they've also got to show intent in, in the way they play and, and provide a bit of entertainment and attacking football. Um, and and provide value for money ultimately, which is which has not been the case for for the most part of 2016. If they replicate the last few performances, then then I think they'll be on their way to doing that. Um, you mentioned the international break. We've all got to keep our fingers crossed that that McGoldrick and Williams return back in one piece from those from those games because they're going to be crucial to to everything that we've just discussed because. You, they are a different a different class in terms of what they do. Um, you know, we saw Johnny Williams at, at Euro 2016 was a major part of a, of a Wales team that went to the semi-finals. David McGoldrick, as I've said before, I think we've we've kind of forgotten because he's he's been out for so long over the last two years just how good he was when Leicester were were offering big money and um, and I've been really encouraged by uh, by the way that, that McGoldrick's played in the last few games so if they can come back unscathed I'm actually feeling quite quite optimistic about the next few games and um, you know if if, uh, if they can if they can put on a show in in, in some of these home games then uh, may, maybe just maybe they can uh, turn the corner well, it's always good to end on a positive so uh, that's all we've got time for uh, this week on Sleeping Giants we will be having a week off next week with uh, no town game this weekend but we'll then be back after the Forest game to see if Ipswich have been able to turn their latest win into the start of what could be a nice little run thanks to Stuart for joining us again and thanks for listening